This morning, Christmas worth celebrating. It's the title of the message today. Christmas worth celebrating. Cambridge Dictionary is oh, just so very insightful. I, I just don't know how they come up with this stuff. Defines the word celebration as the act of celebrating something. It's amazing. They're just so intelligent. Depth of insight. The right click on my, on my computer uh, of, to, to get the synonym list brings up words like rejoice, party, praise, revel, applaud, commemorate. That helps. Some of you have images of what it means when you are really excited about something or you're really celebrating something. What you put into that. And that's different person to person, of course. But those are some helpful words. To, to celebrate, in a nutshell, is to recognize something as great. So much so that, 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 that you want to maximize the experience of it. And again, that's where the subjectivity and personality and so forth comes in. Some people can celebrate. With, uh, you know, I, I think of this as a kind of personality thing of, of how you receive a gift. Like, I didn't plan this in my notes, but I'm going to pick on him, my son-in-law. I think it just kind of, Miriam had to adjust to this. Because he can be excited in here and receive a great gift. Right, Mariah? Mariah's laughing. She knows what I'm talking about. And just, you would not know it. <laughs> and some of you are like that. And others of you, that, that just, just drives you crazy every year. You give them the gift and you're hoping this is the year. I'm working the gift. I'm working the story. I'm, I'm going to get the gift that'll bring it out of them. Doesn't happen. Personality. What does celebrating look like for you? Christmas is, is worth celebrating, Cody. Maximizing the experience. Christmas is, for many people in the world, um, is that a, a time to celebrate? Notwithstanding the reality that Christmas it can be one of the toughest times for many people. And, and Jeff's comments in prayer time just dovetail here and, and appreciate those honest comments. Notwithstanding that Christmas can be the toughest time for many people. Because when, when everything is supposed to, and I had, you, I don't know if you read my paragraph here, uh, uh, Jeff, or not. But, uh, but, but because when, when everything is supposed to be all joy to the world, huh, and you've got deep pain, somehow the disparity of that seems even greater. Some of you are there right now. You've got deep pain. God can deposit his peace, his strength, his hope, and in fact, his joy in the midst of it. If you'll ask him. For many, Christmas is a celebration because they understand its true meaning. For others, it's a celebration because it fosters various positive feelings or memories of experiences like gathering around a beautifully decorated table for a delicious meal of which I would never either decorate or 
cook. But we all have our gifts, right? I'll pitch in at the end, but... And those memories, they're great. I I love the eating part of Christmas. Of course, like many of you, the turkey and all that goes with it. But but, but for me, there's, there's something else. It's this. Can you, can you see what that is? Huh? Cheese. Yeah. It's been room temperature for the last two and a half hours or more. It, it's been in my pocket for the last half hour. So this is something that in our house, I'm not allowed to buy except at Christmas. Guess who in our family, if you know our family, guess who makes that decision? (laughs) My wife just happens to lead the financial workshop, for which I'm very blessed to have a budgeteer in the house. But I I love Christmas. How How many of you like these? Ah, I overthrew everybody. First one there, Kendall, still good. You won't get sick. Things that are a part of the celebration. The celebration of Christmas involves family and friends. Again, notwithstanding that, that family dynamics can sometimes be less than joy giving, let's say, right? Sometimes. For some people, the celebration of Christmas usually involves gifts and giving, candles, lights, decorations, again, which are not my strong suit, the decoration thing, Christmas decorations. I came across an interesting report in my preparation for this message. There's a university study in the Journal of Environmental Psychology, and among its findings was this, the indication that people, and I'm quoting now, People whose homes are decorated communicate a sense of friendliness and cohesiveness with their neighbors. Okay, could be. But I think I can have that without having to climb up a ladder when you're freezing and, you know, all that stuff that comes with decorations. Do I sound like a Grinch? I think Jeff used that word. I'm sorry. My, My family wants to out me right now on this. But the study indicated that these people... These, these people, the, the decorators, tend to be happier. What a, what a weird thing to study. But anyway, it, it, it was there, and I just randomly came across it. Psychoanal, psychoanalyst Stephen uh, McCowan elaborates. He says this. There could be a number of symptomatic reasons why someone would want to obsessively, interesting word, obsessively put up decorations, most commonly for nostalgic reasons, either to relive the magic or to compensate for past neglect. Interesting. In a world full of stress and anxiety, people like to associate things that make them happy, and Christmas decorations evoke those strong feelings of childhood. It it, it makes sense. But this study doesn't elaborate, however, on how how many holiday jingles it takes to wear someone down so they begin to lose that sense of friendliness and cohesiveness while waiting in a long line in a crowded store to spend money that you don't really have for someone that you don't really like who doesn't need the gift that you're buying them. What happened to your friendliness and cohesiveness then? What happens to it? Come on, be honest. 
Pardon? I think there's some testimonies in the room right now. Save them next Sunday. Jeff will be leading us through that. All part of the celebration, isn't it? My friends, no matter where you land or how you feel about the extras we've tacked on to Christmas, Christmas is worth celebrating. Amen. Amen. Don't let the things that can be legitimately frustrating or difficult about this time of year, don't let, somehow, please, try not to let. Easier said than done, I know. Try not to let those things undermine the true celebration that you can have that rightfully should be a part of the experience of Christmas. And there are four things that the coming of Jesus into the world makes possible for us. And I want to draw our attention briefly to each of these four. I want to highlight there are four biblical truths that remind us that Christmas is worth celebrating. First of all, Christmas is worth celebrating because it reminds us that God is for us, not against us. And you've heard that recently. That's the essence of why we've engaged in the, the, the For Beaumont, the hashtag For Beaumont initiative that you've heard us talk about last few months. God is for you. Romans 8.31 simply says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, we know people can, Satan, there's those against us, but the, the, the intimation is if God is for us and the, the very accurate assumption, not just a safe assumption, the very biblically accurate assumption is that he is, then who really? can be against us, or their againstness uh, toward us, what effect, if I'm, if I'm trusting in God, what effect can it actually have? When you were a kid on the playground, and uh, someone who, you know, and you had someone who, who was big, uh, on your, maybe you were that kid, I don't know, but you're on the playground as a kid and you have someone big on your side. I mean, that, that felt good, didn't it? When the bully was nearby. But what is it like to go up against someone who is big, who is forceful, who is, who, who is influential and is against you, truly against you, on the playground or at work? Not fun. Imagine what it would feel like if the God who created everything we see was against you, stood opposed to you. It, it, it seems uh, counterintuitive for, for, for most of us in this room to, to even think that. And yet, and yet that's what some people truly think. And they point to circumstances that are a part of living in a broken world, they point to circumstances as evidence of that. Forgetting what was brought to our attention during prayer time about why Jesus came. No one is as big, as powerful, or as influential as God, and there is no one who loves you as much as He does. I want you to, I want you to really hear that this morning. Many of you, you've heard that all your life. And it, it almost like... We would not say this, we would not think this, but it's almost... And I include myself in this sometimes. We've we got to watch it. It's like... 
yeah, I, I'm so used to that. It's almost like it's no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And especially for some of you, 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 you just need to hear that not only with your ears, but with your heart deeply this morning. He is on your side. He is for you. And so, that, so you can go to him with those situations that you don't get and that are tough. The very reason that Jesus came to this world was to go to the cross and pay the penalty for our sin because it was a debt way too big for any one of us to pay or there's just no way that any one of us could work hard enough or be good enough to take care of that debt. No way. God who sends His Son to take care of that is a God who is for us. And that leads us to the second point that's worth celebrating. Christmas is worth celebrating because Christmas reminds us that God withholds nothing from us that we truly need. And the main thing here, Romans 8.32 says, God the Father did not spare His own Son, did not withhold His own Son when He knew that's exactly what we needed because He was the only perfect sacrifice for sin. God, Romans 8.32, did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Thank you, God. You're a, you're a gift giver. You know, we talk about love languages. Gift giving is obviously God's one of His powerful love languages. And, and some of you, you have that in you. You, you. you reflect that love language in your, you know, your MO is, is, is uh, gift giving. And uh, I mean, for those of you that had a mom that was, that was her gift. I mean, didn't you love it? Because Christmas and just, oh, it was awesome as a kid, right? She, she, she just loved to give you gifts. She, she didn't care if you liked them or not. She just loved the gift giving, right? How many, anybody got a gift from your mom like that before? Okay. Yeah, easy for me to say she's in heaven. <laughs> but, but anyway. Um, according to a survey done by the Bank of Montreal, Canadians plan to shell out an average of $674 per person for gifts in 2018 or have done so already. In, in, in Alberta, the average they, they uh, estimated uh, is 708 per person. I, I was thinking about the gifts that were popular over the last several decades. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I got a bit of a jump. Now, Pastor Joel took us uh, well down this path a little bit last Sunday, but I, you know, I had already done such deep and, and meaningful, life-changing research on this, actually, just several days before last Sunday, that I decided I'm still going to proceed. Is that okay? So, 1950s. How many of you were with us? With us. I was not here. Let, let's be clear. The 1950s. How many of you were, were around? How many? Come on. Come on. Be honest. We, we love you guys. Hey, Brian and Marilyn. Welcome. Uh, we bless the generation before us, and we, and we need to. Uh, that has nothing to do with where we're going because, put the screen up there, Mr. Potato, Mr. Potato Head was a big gift in the 1950s. That's, I don't know, I'm not going to say anything. That's just odd. That's, that's creepy, actually. If I woke up and that was, you know, on your dresser, forget it. The 1960s, let's move there. Light Bright. How many of you played with the Light Bright when you were, you're old enough to have played with? Oh, that, that, was, that was so high tech, wasn't it? It was awesome. 1970s, Atari Pong. Come on, graphics, guys, amazing, right? Unbelievable. 
And then, still in the 70s, uh, Star Wars, uh, to, uh, toy hockey table, etch a, etch a sketch. Oh, that took some skill. And then, Viewmaster. You got lost in this 3D dimension. Click. <laughs> Click. I don't know. What, whatever you did with that. I'm not sure. I, I know many of you, you young people, you wish you were in the 70s. I know that. You're scared to admit it sometimes, but best music, best gifts, best toys, right? Help me out, people that were there. Okay. Maybe you don't agree with me. That's okay. 80s, 1980s, Rubik's Cube, Cabbage Patch Kids, right? 1990s, Polly Pocket. I mean, that's a ridiculous, look at that. That's a ridiculous collection, actually. And in that decade as well, a virtual pet, Tamagotchi. Wasn't that a toy that was... You, you, you fed it, right? And did you give it sleep? I can't remember. I think our kids had one. It, it, was, it was personal and tender, <laughs> but technical. I, you know, it was a blend of, it's kind of really weird. I, who thinks up something like this? I, I don't get it. But anyway, some of you enjoyed those. That's good. Um, in the 2000s, the Transformers, uh, Hasbro Beyblades, and we could, we could continue. Gifts. Gift-giving. When we were kids and we got some of these gifts, we may have thought, it can't get any better than this. Eh? Well, it can, and it already has. Because, because Christmas proves that God the Father withholds nothing from us, not even what is most precious to Him, His Son. He gave willingly and sacrificially. And his son, Jesus, came willingly, voluntarily. The greatest gift of all, ever given, even better than light bright. And that, 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 that sounds almost, I, I shouldn't have said that. The best gift given is Jesus Christ himself. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from eternity past. We need, to, we need to picture this. We need to understand this. From eternity past knew nothing but relationship and love with one another and unity in deep relationship with one another. And yet God knew that the only answer to removing the sin barrier between you and me and, and I should say between, between us and God was the sacrifice of His Son. Perfect and holy. And thus the only one who could bear the penalty of death. The penalty of sin that was declared by God before sin even entered the world, actually. God knew the outcome of sin was separation, that's death. Separation from, between us and God. And Jesus was the only way to address that. So that, so that we would have the opportunity, the privilege, the experience of knowing and walking with God and living in His presence forever. And so he was willing. He was willing to not withhold what he knew we needed. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And thank you, Jesus, for that. Hmm? Thirdly, Christmas is worth celebrating because God brings His brightest light into our darkest times. We've alluded to this this morning. I, I won't say too much about this here because this is actually kind of ties in with the theme of the message tomorrow evening. Um, Matthew, a disciple of Jesus, just to say a couple of things. 
He writes an eyewitness account, the first book of the New Testament, four accounts of the life of Jesus, and Matthew writes an eyewitness account of the life of Christ. And in Matthew 4, 16, chapter 4, verse 16, he quotes an Old Testament prophet. Prophet was just a spokesman for, for God. Uh, and that prophet, that man was Isaiah. In chapter 9, verse 2 of Isaiah in the Old Testament that Matthew plucks forward and incorporates in his writing, referred to Jesus, said this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who, dwell, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So it's a future announcement. Hundreds of years before it happened, by God's, God bringing awareness to the prophet about this and him speaking it and writing it. A future announcement of the coming of Jesus as a baby, God breaking into human history, was declared there. God wants to bring His light into our darkness if we'll open our heart to Him because the, the difficulties of life seem even more painful, as we've mentioned already this morning at, at this time of year. Very often they do. In the time of Isaiah 9, uh, dark days were... Uh, in fact, ahead for God's people. The Assyrians would invade and they would humble Israel. And yet Isaiah looked beyond all of that and saw the bright light of deliverance that would come through the Messiah, the sent one from God. And for us today, we, can, we look back on that with, with gratefulness and thanksgiving and, and, and we can genuinely celebrate because Christmas reminds us that, that hope, hope, light has been delivered in the person of Jesus Christ. D delivered directly to, to us, to me, to you. And received if we choose. This doesn't make all our troubles disappear, of course. We know that. We live in a broken world. But, but it gives us, if we're open to, to assimilating biblical truth into our, into our hearts, into our minds, it gives us an eternal perspective on our pain in this sin-marred world, in this broken world. And it reminds us that we, that we don't walk the difficult path alone. And, and, and we are, as we lean on God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, we are sustained and strengthened by our loving Lord. Christmas, it's worth celebrating. Lastly, Christmas is worth celebrating because the, the coming of Jesus brings security to life. Many of us know it from personal experience. You know it by people you talk to and you try to help and, and, and people that are just, this, this world breeds such deep insecurity in people as we look around. And in one way, understandably. And viewing this life, though, merely through the human lens is the root of the problem. If insecurity and fear grips us, viewing life through solely the human lens uh, does, does not allow for the God factor, does it? And the God factor is a, is a big factor. Whether it's the oil prices, or the, how fragile our health is, 
or the fleeting nature of finances left to themselves or, or uncertainty about the future in some way or the anxiety that you, you're, you're feeling build as, as your kids approach their teenage years and about the choices that they may make or the apprehension about the conversation your boss has scheduled with you next week, or worry about the turmoil and war that we see going on in the nations of our world. We, we, we all know that, that I could continue this list, sadly. But the coming of Jesus makes, makes all the difference in, in how we think, about and, and process these realities and how we can live, actually live in the midst of all of that. It, it truly makes a difference. It doesn't mean that, that fear will never find its way in and start to impact us and our thought process and, you know, waking up at night and whatever, however that looks for you. And again, as I said over coffee with a, a man in our church this week, I said, I get that struggle. Doesn't matter what struggle, but I, I said, as you, some of you have heard me say before, I, I'm made of the same stuff as you. Just because I have pastor in front of my name doesn't make this what I'm talking about not my deal ever. As a matter of fact, this week, early this week, I was in my office and it was around lunchtime, and I. Things start, you know, going in your mind, situations and decisions and all, whatever. And I, I just felt, I'm going to go upstairs and walk the halls and, and, and pray for 20 minutes or so. And I did, and it was, it was great. It was rich, rich, rich time with God. I went upstairs, and I walked down the hall, and then I came back and saw the wall on the second lobby, uh, second floor lobby there, little picture, nice frame and a, a phrase that I actually needed to hear that day. Faith. It's so simple. Faith, not fear. Hmm. How do you move from, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? To, How do you move? How do you move there? That, that is a short distance, isn't it? But it seems like such a huge leap, and sometimes it is. And this, you know, I'm not going to take too much time here, but I, I just feel led to touch on this more than I anticipated. I mean, if you're not regularly, systematically in God's Word, Opening God's Word to your heart and opening your heart and mind to God's Word regularly. God can supernaturally still carry you from that anxiety place to that faith place. But, but He intends that God's Word inputted into your heart and mind regularly is a, is a huge part of, of being able to do that well. And, and will we s slip back at times? Yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. God said. Paul wrote to Timothy. God has not given you a spirit of fear, an attitude, a heart, a mind of fear. No, it's not from God. Oh, yeah. 
So I want to reject that. And so I'm going to trust you, God, because you created the world. You, you are able to take care of this situation and guide me through it. Fear dissipates as we know God's word. And there's, there's obviously much more I could say, but I won't. But that, you know, I was just going to say that's for somebody today. You know what? If we're honest, probably to some degree at various times of our life, this last couple of minutes is for all of us. Faith, not fear. Whoever hung that upstairs, <laughs> whenever it was hung, I don't know, but I, thank you. So I needed that little phrase as a reminder from God is what I took it. Very cool. The coming of Jesus brings security, is what we're talking about, to our life. The Old Testament, the same Old Testament spokesman, prophet foretold the coming of Jesus as God breaking into human history as a baby in Isaiah 9, 6. And again, a couple of these verses you'll probably hear again tomorrow night, but that's okay. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. There's a differentiation that's worth noting there. Many of you know this. Unto us a child is born. Speaking of his human nature that he took on. And unto us a son, capital S, O-N, is given. Given, not born, given because the Son refers to His deity, the fact that He is God. A characteristic of God is what? That you have always existed. If you were ever created, uh, you're not God. Jesus, as a human, to experience the stress and the pain without the sin of human life, came as a baby. The child was born. But the son was given because he's, he's always existed. He's God. And if you doubt that, read John 8 and John 10 and then have a discussion with me. Share with me what you think after that. People that say Jesus never claimed to be God, it's, just the, it's actually a very ridiculous statement. Read John 8 and John 10 and you'll understand what I'm saying. Some of you really need to hear the reminder of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And that Isaiah 9-6 passage goes on to describe this child is born, son is given, his name will be called, many of us know this, wonderful. His name will be called Counselor. Great, I need that many times. His name will be called Mighty God. You know, there's, a, there's a, a cult group that says Jesus is a created being, so not God. And, and, and I've, I've talked with them many years ago in this particular conversation. They pointed out that, well, Mighty God, I, I, I use that as a reference again. Speaking of Jesus, oh, but it doesn't say Almighty God. That was the response. And not to ridicule them, but it's, it's amazing the, the, the gymnastics Intellectual gymnastics we can do sometimes to make Scripture fit what we want to believe. No, Jesus, he's, he's mighty God, everlasting Father. In other words, he has that, that fatherly, compassionate heart, and he is the Prince of Peace. And that's the phrase that some of you may especially need to hear in, in, in line with this fourth 
a point that I'm highlighting. The coming of Jesus brings security to our life. He is the Prince of Peace. So you can have peace and security in the midst of life, no matter what is going on. Jesus reiterated this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Re receive that today. My peace, Jesus says, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because Jesus is able to lead you, guide you, comfort you, enable you, provide for you, miraculous, miraculously intervene, or in the, until that miraculous change comes, He's able, to, he's able to deposit, if we are willing to receive that gift, He's able to deposit His peace that just pushes out that anxiety. Philippians 4 talks about that. Oh, this is, this, is, this, is so, this is so basic, but Christians that have been Christians a long time, we need these, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I found a fresh appreciation and worship to God, actually, as I, as I pondered in preparation for this, as I pondered these four simple points. And so maybe this Christmas you will take some time beyond this gathering to, to ponder some of these biblical truths. I, I, I hope you will. That, that Christmas is worth celebrating because it reminds us, what are they? That God is for us, not against us. And that He proves that uh, that, or Christmas proves that God withholds nothing from us. And Christmas r reminds us that the coming of Jesus is, is the bright light that we need in our dark world. And then finally, Christmas is worth celebrating because the coming of Jesus brings security to our life. Obviously, a, a huge part of that security is the assurance of knowing I am a child of God in relationship with Him, knowing that I have received the gift of salvation. The assurance that the New Testament says we can have, not because we're arrogant or presumptuous, but because of what Jesus has done, we can know for sure that we are going to be in God's heaven with Him for eternity. That's a great thing, an important thing to have assurance about. And if you don't have that assurance of that truth in your heart and mind today, you can walk out of here knowing that. I, I believe this with all my heart. And the Bible makes it clear that it's, a, it's about just choosing to, to say, I, I want to be a Christ follower. And we sometimes phrase it, you know, different ways and build, I, I want to establish, I want to step into a Jesus-based life and, and, and build that as I move forward in, in, in accordance with, with God's Word. We sometimes say that we give our lives to Christ as, the, as, as, our, as our Lord and Savior, or we surrender and choose to trust Him to forgive our sin so that that barrier can be removed so that I can be in a personal and eternal relationship and trust in God as the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. However you choose to frame it. I think those are pretty clear words. The gift of salvation is offered to you in Christ this Christmas and always. But I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and, and bow your heads if you would in these moments. I'm going to pray a prayer. And again, as you've heard me say before, if you've been around here, that it's not about these words. It's about the posture of your heart. And, and God knows that. 
But if you, sitting here today, you're saying, I, I, I want to step into that relationship that you're talking about with, with the God who created me. And some of these truths are, are, are coming to light in your hearts and minds right now. I encourage you to open your heart to Jesus because he, he loves you so much. You can pray quietly this, a, a similar expression that I'll pray out loud right now. And in this instant, you are, not as, you know, some generic created child of God. No, you're, you're a, a child of God for all eternity in His family, headed to heaven because of Jesus, because of the grace of God. You can pray, Father, I thank you. As I've heard this morning that you sent your son Jesus. You, Father, sent your son Jesus for me. And I thank you for that. I thank you, Jesus, that you voluntarily came to take upon yourself the payment of, of, of a penalty that I could not, of a debt that I could not pay. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for loving me so much. I recognize today that you want to lead my life. You created me. You know me best. You love me most. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to realize that now, God. Thank you. I give my life to you. I surrender my future to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and begin to, uh, uh, to change my character. I give you my life. And I thank you for the gift of salvation eternal, eternal salvation that you now deliver because of what Jesus has done. And because of your love for me and your grace, I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for each one that, that may have expressed an expression like that to you in these moments. May you remind them moving forward of your great love and your desire to walk with them through life. And we give you praise in Jesus' name.